Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 7, please. I would say that the Lord is speaking to us today. He is working among us today. I am, I am encouraged that even before sharing anything, that the Lord is already at work. Amen? Now, you don't even know why I said that, but you should still be able to say amen to that. This morning when Tim opened, for those of you who were here at that time, you would have heard him say, Lord, just fill us with your spirit and have your way among us. And I was like, hmm, fill us with your spirit, Lord. He emphasized it as he prayed this morning. As Mark got up to share the announcements, as he concluded, he shared the poem that Barbara, um, from Barbara's book, Lost disorientated, uncertain of who I am. I can't find my bearings, confused and feeling vulnerable, wandering aimlessly through a dry and barren land. Thirsty, parched, dehydrated, and unable to speak. I can't quench this thirst, and yet there's water everywhere. I'm slowly dying because my soul is weak. Can anyone relate to that? Has there ever been a time in your life when you could be like, you know what, that's me right there. Thank you, sister. I see that hand. Amen. I can relate to that. And I can appreciate that. And it is so on point with what the Lord has really laid on my heart to share this morning. On the first Sunday of the year, when we met in Dulwich Hamlet Football Club, how many of you were there? When we, when we met at Dunwich Hamlet. Now, that was a sweet little time right there, isn't it? Different environment, different experience as we began the year. And again, for those of you who were there at the beginning and there on time, you would have heard me say, you know what? What a blessing it is that we're in this venue, which is otherwise used for other activities. And yet, we are here claiming it as holy ground because wherever we go, wherever we set foot, that place is holy. Why? Because of us. And the Lord is in us. And I said, what a great way to start the year with change. What a great way to start the year with change. In John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39... It says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And as I stood there in Dulwich Hamlet Football Club, these verses of scripture were strongly impressed upon my heart and mind. To the point where, just before Pastor Rob was going to teach, I was going to interrupt and say, look, you know what? The Lord really wants me to share this. But then I kind of just hesitated and realized, okay, maybe this isn't the time. But today is the time. This is something that I feel the Lord wants to speak to us as a church concerning. As I looked out across the, the, the gathered saints, as I looked, to, looked out over the people of God, as all of us were there that were there were gathered, this is what was on my heart as we entered into this year. Let's pray that we would have ears to hear what the Lord says to us this morning. 
Lord God and Heavenly Father, we come before you and recognize that you are God. And your word is one with you. Hallelujah. Your word is one with you, Lord, and it is, your word has been committed unto us. And you've said, Lord, that we're to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. Help us, Lord, to hear that we may do. May we love your word. May we cherish your word. May we rejoice in your word. May we bathe in your word that we might be filled with your spirit and that out of our hearts and lives would flow living water. Speak to us today, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Jesus said, if anyone first, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit. Now, hmm. obviously as a church, we've been on a journey over the past seven and a half years. And we know that we are a work in progress. We are far from being the perfect picture of the church expressed locally. We're far from it. But we are committed to God's process of perfecting us. And it doesn't matter where you go, you won't find the perfect church until you go to heaven. So... This is it. But we're committed to the process. A lot of people want the prize, but they don't want to go through the process. But we're committed to the process. And we know that through it, God is perfecting us. And as we've progressed on this journey, there have been some things that we have learned along the way that we've needed to embrace. There are some things that we've learned along the way that we've needed to drop off. There are some things that we inherited. Because you know, when anyone comes into a relationship, right, come with baggage. Always come with the suitcases in tow. Some of us have got big barrel sized baggage. We've got a trunk. And we bring that into a relationship. And the person who's wise doesn't leave their baggage just stacked up there. But once they move in and they enter into the relationship, they, they work at unpacking the baggage and un unloading the stuff. And I fear that there's still more stuff for us to get out of the way because one of the things that I was really on my heart as I was there that Sunday morning was that, you know what, there's some kind of blockage that's preventing us from just seeing the Holy Spirit flow out of our lives. There's something that's preventing us from seeing the expression of God through our lives. That God isn't just God in our heads. Where we've just rationalized him. And as much as I can try and understand God by means of his word, then I'm cool. It's not enough. This verse says it's not enough. And I began to ask the reasons as to why is it that we're in this situation, Lord? And as I meditated on the verse, that the Lord kind of was speaking to me and kind of helping highlight that, you know what, there are things in people's lives. Individually that we need to deal with and we need to address and we'll come on to that. Things that are, that have put a plug on our worship. We need to unplug worship. 
We need to get worship unplugged around here. And when I say worship, I don't just mean the singing of songs. I do mean that. But I mean more than that. I mean a life submitted in adoration of the Most High. The word worship means proskuneo in Greek. And it means to be bowed in, in adoration. And for one face to touch another. Psalms 2 says to kiss the sun. In in affectionate adoration of one that we admire above all. That's what worship means. And that is supposed to be expressed in and through our lives consistently. Not just when we come and sing songs. Or furthermore, at least when we come and sing songs. And for some of us, that's a chore. Quite frankly. In John chapter 4, the Lord said that he desires worshippers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He desires, he looks for, he seeks after. Imagine the metaphor of Isaiah. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro the earth. What was that um, cartoon film when you got the big eye and it goes like that? It was a film, but it was... That was, that was, that's not even the one I'm thinking of, but that's probably an even better example. In Lord of the Rings, right? What, what was that? Mount Mordor or something? Who? That was a bad one. Eh? And, that, and it was like an all-seeing eye, right? At the top of the mountain. You imagine you've got eyes like that all around, and they're the, the Lord's eyes, and he's searching, and he's looking. You know, like them prison movies, and they got the big spotlight, and it's sweeping, ready, trying to find the, the inmates are just pinned up against the wall. And the eyes of the Lord are searching and it's sweeping. And it's not just looking externally, but searching our hearts to find those on whose behalf he will show himself strong. And some of us are trying to dodge God's eyes. And we're pinned up like this, hoping that he ain't going to see us. But they're welcoming eyes. The Lord's wanting to show his favor. He's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's 24 7. That's not just Sundays. That's not just in community group. That's not just when, you know, we get around the brethren. But when we ain't round them, that ain't us. And when we do get round the brethren, it's more than just socializing. Jesus said, out of our hearts is to flow rivers of living water. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. You know, it was unheard of up until Christ came in, in a clear sense that the Holy Spirit would be in his people. The third person of the Trinity the divine spirit of God dwelling in his people. You see, there were things prophesied that the prophets didn't even understand what they were saying. The prophets were used to the Holy Spirit coming upon and giving them strength and empowering them for the act of service that was before them. But they weren't used to the continued, ongoing, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. They never, they never understood that concept. Because how could God, the divine, dwell in man? Mere man. And they appreciated that God is too big and too great to dwell in dust.
And yet we see Jesus speaking of the fact that the Holy Spirit would be in. In those who believe. And Jesus had already alluded to this back in John chapter 4. You can flip your pages back there. When he met with the woman at the well. So the woman's at the well, she comes to get a drink. Verse 16, sorry, let me go back. Verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman, she wasn't Jewish in a full sense, said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. You got no bucket, no rope. How are you going to get water out of there? She says, where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. You see, she caught a glimpse. She didn't quite get it. So I won't have to come back here and draw water. I mean, this, is, this must become special holy water that quenches your thirst for life. Forget, um, what was the name of that drink? Not even Evian. What was the, it was a drink and it had the slogan, quench your thirst. Sprite. I'm sure it was Sprite. I don't even drink it, so I don't know. Quench your thirst. She must have thought this was some holy sprat. Was just going to quench her thirst and that was it. But evidently Jesus was speaking of more than that. And fundamentally, we all have a thirst. Jesus had already spoken in John 6 of being the bread of life. Now he's talking about being the provider of living water. So we get strength from bread and endurance. It provides carbohydrates for the body to burn as fuel. And so we are able to walk and function. We're able to live. And yet there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just being alive. There's more to our relationship with God than just being alive. We're supposed to be alive because, you know, we can be alive and unsatisfied. We can be alive and try and find satisfaction in other things. And so as the Lord uses the example of water, we see that he's speaking of satisfying our desires. 
quenching our thirst in life. A thirst that the world will tell us is found in things and stuff. It will tell us that it's found in money. If only I could be like Bill Gates. Not even like Bill Gates. But if I just had money so I was comfortable, I'd be satisfied. It's a lie. I tell you this, it's a lie. Listen to this. Listen to what Bill Gates said. On being the richest man in the world, I wish I wasn't. Now you're probably thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. You're supposed to say that. I wish I wasn't the richest man in the world, said Bill Gates. 5th of May, 2006. There's nothing good that comes out of that. You get more visibility as a result of it. He should have just listened to Biggie Smalls, isn't it? More money, more problems. Speaking of Biggie Smalls, Jay-Z last year was worth a billion dollars. Worth a billion. And yet he still had a song saying 99 problems. Money never got rid of them 99 problems. Money does not satisfy. Maybe it's in pride. We want reputation. We want respect. Maybe we, we, we pursue educational attainment to the point where it is our identity and it is our everything. Maybe we pursue career success and we want the respect of our peers that we work with. Maybe it's to establish a, a career in the music industry and be loved and respected by people for what we do. It doesn't satisfy. It does not satisfy. Maybe we're looking for it in relationships. If I, if I just got married, had that husband, that wife that I so longed for, <laughs> Lord of his mercy you know, I'm looking for my wife you know oh you're up there listen I am my beloved and she is mine amen but let me tell you something <laughs> say no more alright these things don't satisfy us and yet for so many of us here, these things are idols in our life that we pursue for satisfaction. For some of us, it's just the fulfillment of our feelings. This situation doesn't make me happy. This situation does make me happy. So I'm going to give myself to this, regardless of what God thinks of it, so that I will feel better. We dishonor and disobey the Lord in order to be happy and satisfy our feelings that we've made an idol of. None of those things that satisfies, satisfy at all. Only, only through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who believe do we find true satisfaction? Now we see that it's more than just the indwelling presence. From what Jesus is saying, it's more than that. Because it's not just the Holy Spirit in us, but the Holy Spirit through us. Flowing out of our lives. Poured out from within us. Flowing in chapter 7, not like springs that will trickle in. Not like 
streams, even as was mentioned in chapter 4. But you notice it says in chapter 4, it says, welling up, welling up to eternal life. And here Jesus put it like this, like rivers, not a garden hose or a fireman's hose, as powerful as it is, but a water cannon. A water cannon pouring out of our lives. David put it like this in Psalm 23. He anoints my head with oil, my... Thank you, brother. Cup runneth over. Now, he's not talking about money. Pressed down, shaken together. He said, anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to appreciate that we have the, the spirit of the divine dwelling in us if we are believers. Provided we are his, that is our status and position. That we have his... The, we, I don't think we... I don't, Thank you, bruv. Help me, bruv. Help me. Listen. The spirit of the living God who is pure and all-powerful dwells in you. Think about that for a minute. The spirit. Listen, people had a problem throughout the ages after Christ was resurrected and the apostles ministered the word and they died of and then the early church coming through. They had a problem with accepting the fact that Jesus was truly God. They had a problem with understanding that divinity dwelled in humanity. There was a sect a cult called the Gnostics. And they said that matter is evil and spirit is good. And so how can God, if he's good, pure, perfect, dwell in evil matter? They couldn't comprehend it. And so there were all kinds of heresies that came out of that. Jesus was not the eternal son, but he was created said a brother called Arius. And then you see translations of the Bible, like the New World Translation, that the Jehovah's Witnesses use. They take John 1.1 1, 1 and they say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Now that's not what the text says. And that contradicts itself. But they say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. It's, not, it's supposed to say that, and the Word was God. They didn't understand the triunity of God, and that God would manifest himself in flesh. And so, heresy came out of that. Jesus Christ, 100% God, 100% man. The nature of God joined in union with the nature of man. And as he stood there, the Bible says in, in John chapter 7 here, it was at the end of the great feast. And the great feast being spoken of was the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a seven-day feast, and it was the final feast in the calendar year of the Jews. They had three major feasts, and this was the last one. And this feast was a time that God had ordained and appointed for them to celebrate an aspect of his person and purposes. And it was prophetic. The Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths was such that it spoke of the time when God would come and tabernacle with men. And so what they did was they built booths 
and they sang the Hallel and they sang praise over and over and they'd sing in harmonies and, and they'd be there building their booths and then they would dwell in the booths and it was like a national holiday, you know, like we've got X amount of bank holidays coming up this year. Bank holiday for the, there's, there's, one, there's one weekend where it is literally a four day weekend. 29th of April is the royal wedding and then you've got our May Day bank holiday, four day weekend. Sounds wonderful, isn't it? Four day weekend. And it was like a seven day weekend for them. They'd be there celebrating and considering the coming of God who would come and dwell among, furthermore, let me put my Bible away, I should put it in there. Revelation, turn with me, real quick. Chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21. Some of you are scared to go in the book of Revelation. It's not come with some woes and some horsemen just coming and stuff scary, man. First one, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. What a declaration. That's what was being looked forward to. That we're going to live with God. And he's going to tabernacle among us. The divine among humanity. And yet what? What Jesus was trying to see, trying to help them see, was that it was happening right before their eyes. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh and lived among us. They didn't get it. And so Jesus stands up and makes this declaration at the end of the great feast of tabernacles. At the time when they're celebrating the coming, the expected arrival of God among men. He stands up and says before them, You know what? It gets deeper than that. It's not even just that I am the fulfillment of your expectation, but I am going to grant to those who believe in me that they would receive the divine, that the Holy Spirit would live in them. It don't just just stop with me being here. The divine Holy Spirit without measure, working wonders and signs in, in front of you. It don't just stop there. It gets even better. My spirit is going to dwell in those who believe. At the end of the feast, they would have a, a water ceremony where the priests would go in the temple and they would give praise and they would wave a a sheaf and they would take water and they would pour it out on the altar as a symbol of the outpouring that would take place spoken of in Zechariah 14 when the Messiah comes he will stand on the Mount of Olives and the mountain will be split in two and water would pour forth the water of life and it was messianic They were looking for the Messiah and he was standing right in front of them. Jesus is the Messiah predicted by the prophets. He is the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles and is the means to 
anyone enjoying the completion of it in the messianic kingdom. And yet, to those who believe, he would grant his spirit to dwell in us. And not just to dwell in us, but to flow out from within us. So, as we are satisfied, as our thirst is quenched, we then are able to provide life-quenching water for others. Notice the order in, then, through. As we are quenched, there is an outflow of that. Now, what happens when you stop waters moving? I remember we went to Austria and we were by the lake. And I think I can't remember who it was. I had a conversation with someone. I'm like, what's the difference between a lake and a pond? Anyone know the answer? The difference between a lake and a pond. Still water and running water. Simple. And I remember going jogging by the lake when we was in Austria. One of the few occasions, as you could tell. Guy jogging by the lake and I saw the waters running into the lake. I would have called it a sea. The thing's so big. It was a big lake. And the water was flowing into the lake. Now, what happens to still water when it's left? Stagnates. And you leave it long enough, it begins to stink. And it's rancid. And flies and mosquitoes are bred. And Imagine our lives. When there's no outflow from our lives. Imagine our lives when there's no outflow from our lives. Still waters. Are, are there still waters in your heart? Now, I'm, you notice I didn't complete, complete the statement. Because I wouldn't go as far as to suggest that the divine can become polluted and stagnate. But the the effervescence, the bubble is lost. That's for sure. The Bible talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. Quenching the Holy Spirit to suppress the flow and outworking of God's Spirit in our lives. And we experience that around here. You experience that in your life. And the bubble and the effervescence, the sparkle is gone. It's gone. Like month old Coke that's been sitting in the fridge, flat. And that's how your spiritual life is. You know, sometimes it's hard to come up here and share, you know. Sometimes it's hard to come up here and share. Because sometimes when we look out, it's like what a comedian would call a tough crowd. I'm not even joking. Some of you need to be up on this side a little more. Mark, I'm a lion, bruv. Because we're so passive. And we sit, and it's like, I need to rationalize everything that's being said so that it computes with my view. And if it don't, then, hmm, hmm. And even if it does, hmm, hmm. <laughs> and there ain't no outflow, there ain't no exchange. 
I'm not saying that we've got to say amen to foolishness. But when the word of God is proclaimed, it's the word of God, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you, bruv. <laughs> it's the word of God. And at the end of the day, you're not amen in the man, you're amen in the word, the message that comes from God. Amen? Hmm. I'm going old school. I don't business because there's a lot of good that was invested in my life old school. We need to take the plug off our worship. And if we're satisfied in Christ, we need to show it. Some of us are proud. Some of us are stoosh. We're stoosh. And we don't want no one to see us get, show any kind of emotion. Like the song might be reaching us, you know. Reaching us, but we're just... Barely clap. Or we just sit back and we're like, because, you know, we ain't, we ain't here flogging no one, driving, hyping nothing in the flesh to make people praise God. But people mistake that for being an environment where we don't value God's praise. No, God's praise is an outflow from our lives. As some of us, we're, we're experiencing madness in our life because we don't know how to praise God. We don't know. Let me anchor that biblically. Because some of you are like, hmm, yeah. As the praises go up, the blessings come down. Yeah, I know them ones from back in the day. Bit suspect though. <laughs> Listen, as the armies of Israel went into battle, what happened? Who went before the armies? Huh? The art uh, and who? The priests. And what were the priests doing as they went? Singing God's praise. There will be occasions when they didn't even have to fight. Listen. Look at Jericho. Sound the trumpet in Zion. Virgin, please. Can we begin to sound the trumpet with our voices? And, and with a, a little expressiveness that shows that we're actually satisfied in Christ? Can we do that? Is that not what Jesus is speaking of, in part? It's not the whole story. But we're quenching the Holy Spirit. Quenching. For some of us, it's not even just that we're quenching, but the water levels are low. Because we're not trying to find satisfaction in him. We're trying to find satisfaction in other things. And it is manifested and it's evidenced by what does come out of our life. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said it, not me. So then when we find ourselves in a place where our conversation is, is, is not on him first. It's not about him first. It's not on those, good that, those things that are good and pure and praiseworthy. And, but we're there chatting people's business. Scandalizing people's name. With gossip. That ain't an outflow of the Holy Spirit. That's sin. The nature. All right, so you're not gossiping, you're not talking no one as goes on. But your conversation is far from the, being on the things of God. We rather talk about iPhone and software and Xbox and music and whatever else than how God is rocking us. How he's working in our lives or, you know, we're there trying to wrestle with the word and we don't understand or... And I'm not talking about theological debates and arguments. I'm talking about the expression of a relationship with Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. Or our, our, our tweets. Our Facebook pages. Evidence the fact that 
We're two-faced. Now, I ain't hurting no one. Like I said, let us who have ears to hear, hear what the Lord is saying. And we're trying to find satisfaction in other things. And it's evident because we're double-minded. And when we're in church, it's jiggy. It's wonderful. Yeah, I'll oh, praise God. And when we ain't, we're on some expletive bursting or even some pagan ideology supporting some of the things that we like, you know, like when you click on like, thumbs up on Facebook, is contrary to our testimony. We put up a status that says, oh, bless the Lord on oh my soul and all that is within me. And then we like some nasty Rihanna video or... That's double standards. That's Holy Spirit quenching behavior. Our character's not in line. So we say one thing with our lips, but our life is saying something else, and then we wonder why we ain't got no sparkle in our relationship with God. Inconsistent. Here's another one. Water levels are low. How do we know? Not quick to serve. Not quick to serve. Jesus said, he who is forgiven much loves, what? Little bit, right? Half. Loves much. And when there is that sense of God has transformed my life, he has saved me from the pit of hell from the lake of fire, and that's where I deserve to go, and God has changed me. Wow! There's nothing I won't do for you, Lord. And yet to serve the Lord is to serve people. Jesus said, did you visit them in prison? Did you give food to the hungry, water to the thirsty? Huh? Where was you? Oh Lord, when was you hungry? When was you thirsty? As much as you have given it to the least of these, you have done it for me. To serve God is to serve people. But some of us, like I said, we're too stush. I don't do chairs. I don't do children's church. So let me ask you, what do you do? Tell me, talk to me, what do you do? Rhetorical. Because some of us need to check ourselves and saying, in what way am I actually expressing the life of God, the satisfaction in Christ through my life? In what way is that happening? And we will come and see man slaving. I stand up there and watch them and carry a drink our drink and chatting away. And yet, if we have to get in work at eight o'clock, we will be there. Where's our priorities? Can't get to church early, you know. 11 o'clock in the morning. Because it's, oh, it's my day of rest. And I've had such a hard week giving myself to making money. What? Age-old question. Do you live to work or work to live? I've been seeing this thing flashing around on the internet. God over money. Praise God. Let the message be sounded. Because we live in a culture where people worship money. Youths worship money. Big people worship money. Worship material things. And it's an abomination in the sight of the Lord. And some of us, we, 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 we veil it over as, 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 you know, we want to be successful. We want to be accomplished. And it's just Greed. And self-exaltation. We can pursue the pound. Huh. But 
We're slow to serve. And it always, you know, it's funny. It makes me laugh when visitors come. Brother, how long have I got left on the thing now? I've just lost sense of time altogether. Okay, thank you. You heard it, right? <laughs> it amazes me when we have, like, visitors come, maybe from other churches or whatever. Like, last, was it last week that we had the film guy come, filming for um, partner ministry that helped support us in the ministry here and just taking back footage. And 11 o'clock, my man's here, camera's out and whatever. And I'm sure, and I always laugh to myself, because I'm sure, like, a lot of people that come in, in that situation, they sit down at 11 o'clock and think, there's, like, 10 people here, and they're in this big school. Well, they must know what they're doing. And now look, hard-pressed for seats. And we rejoice. We praise God that people are coming to hear his word, to fellowship, to, to grow in grace. But there's more to it than just that. More to it than just existing. There's supposed to be an outflow. Some of us are not quick to bless. Some of us are not quick to bless. We're quick to grumble and gripe and murmur like Miriam against Moses, but not quick to bless and encourage and build up and speak well of. Water levels are low. Where's the outflow? Where's the living waters? See, for some of us, it's just on our terms. Yeah, I'll do it, but I'll do what I'll do, what I do, when I want to do it. Water levels are low. Because we're trying to find satisfaction in other things. Trying to please ourselves in other ways. Rather than being satisfied in him. Passionless indifference. Indifference. Take it or leave it. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Or the abbreviated version, whatever. And that's our attitude towards life. That's our attitude towards church. That's our attitude towards God. Whatever. We hear the word, whatever. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was good. Praise God. Whatever. And we know it's whatever because of what we do and what comes out of us when we have walked away. There's to be an outflow of God's spirit. There's supposed to be an outpouring that evidences his indwelling. The outpouring may come in just our love for the word. I was speaking to somebody during the week and they said, you know, I love it when I went to this place and I was among the believers and they didn't take note of my color. They didn't take note of the fact that I was from the States. All it was, we're, we're fellow believers and we were just talking about the things of God. So excited and thrilled me because we were just talking about the things of God. And I was rejoicing at that. And at the same time wondering, you know, when people come around here, is that the if she was to come here, is that the experience she would have? Are we interested to know whether she's a believer or not? Or if, you know, how she came to know the Lord? What's your testimony, sis? Just met you like... Or we just like, oh, you come from America. Yeah, I've been to New York shopping at Christmas. Heavy. Bargains. Where's our passion? What is our heart set on? What are we seeking satisfaction in? Some of us, the plug is unforgiveness. Bearing malice and resentment. And someone wronged you. They may have even apologized, but you still hold them up in your heart. You still talk bad about them. You still avoid them and cut your eye after them. Even if they haven't apologized, rather than obey what the word says, if someone has offended you, you go to them. You're like, I ain't talking to them. 
Unforgiveness quenches the outflow of the Holy Spirit. And it gets deeper because unforgiveness means that we cannot be forgiven. And so that becomes a barrier between us and God in terms of our communion and fellowship with him. And for so many, walking in unforgiveness. You're not trying to repair and restore relationship. And there's no outflow. And your life is quenched. So what's the response? Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Not men pleasing. Not pursuing money. Not self-gratification. Delight yourself in the Lord. May he be your delight. May he be your desire. May he be the thing that when you wake up in the morning, you think about first and, and you just want to please him and you want to know what his will is for the day and you're going to be sensitive to his spirit and you're just going to say, Lord, speak. Your servant's listening. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because your heart will be bubbling with him. His spirit will be just flowing and, and dwelling up in you and flowing out of you. And you will, listen, you ask any of the guys that go out witnessing. Friday night, Leicester Square, wherever it is, there ain't nothing more exhilarating. Cam was out on Friday. What am I saying? Listen, there's nothing more exhilarating than allowing the outflow of your life touch someone else, especially one who doesn't know God. And you might not know nothing about nothing about the word of God, but you're just there to share your testimony and say, you know what, can I tell you what God has done for me? And they might come at you with some questions that rock you and you're like, you know what, I can't even answer that. You know, I need to look, look into that and, and see what, but what I can tell you is this, God has changed my life because Jesus is risen. And how exhilarating that is. And how stimulating. And you come back home and rather than, oh, I couldn't answer the question. You're like, oh, I need to find the answer to that. And then you get deeper in the Lord. And you learn more of him. And you're better equipped as a witness. So today is a plea for repentance. It's a plea for repentance. That we would put Jesus first in our lives. That we would worship him with all of our hearts. And in truth, according to his word. I think there is a risk when people get into emotionalism. I don't say when people are emotional because we're emotional beings. God made us with emotions. Remember lyric, God's got emotions, can't keep them inside. Bible says that God's got emotion in, in, in the way that it speaks of him. He hates sin. Sin is an emotion. He hates divorce. And yet he also delights. And we are made as emotional beings. And our emotions are not to rule us, but to serve us as we glorify God. And yeah, there's the risk of emotionalism. But at the same time, I think we're in a place where we're guilty of rationalism. God is just God in our head. We need to repent and let there be an outflow. Let there be an outflow. Of the Holy Spirit. Because. It will well up. And it will increase. To rivers. To torrents. And we will be blessing one another. And watering one another. And we will go forth out of here each week. And water the world. We'll water Brixton. And water Lewisham. And water Peckham. And water Fortin Heath. And wherever you're at. 
Water, living water will be flowing. And people who are thirsty and lost and in a dry land and unable to be satisfied will find the refreshing, cool taste of living water. Bringing life to them. As leaders, we appreciate it. Change is necessary. The difference between still water and flowing water is change. The water doesn't stay in the same place. You heard the phrase, water under the bridge. Water that's moving doesn't stay in one place. And if you want to know how do I how do I how do I unquench my life? And how do I allow the Holy Spirit to flow? Make a commitment to change. To put Christ first. To dwell in his word. Back in Nehemiah chapter 9, you see Ezra and Nehemiah back to back with the people of God. And they've recovered the law. And they stand there for all day. They stand at the reading. Not even no preaching, you know. The reading of the law. Just reading it out. Deuteronomy and Leviticus. All them, them books that we skip over. And they just stood there all day at the reading of the law. Because their heart was inclined to do it. And they prayed. They received the word and they prayed. And you read one long old prayer. Chapter 9 into chapter 10. One long old prayer. And they, they, they poured out their hearts to God. And they made a covenant. They committed to do that which the Lord said. You want to know how to unblock your life? You want to know how to get worship unplugged in your life? Love the word. Don't just tolerate it. Love the word. Submit your life to it. Commune with God in prayer. Express the work of God in your heart and your life. Brother, can I ask you to come up to him, please? This is a new year. And this is what the Lord laid on my heart. It's what the Lord laid on my heart. What was it, 2nd of January? Right there in Dulwich Hamlet. And as we begin to unveil, and as we begin to speak of the direction that the Lord is leading us in, let us give our hearts, let us express the satisfaction that God has provided. And if you ain't satisfied, then you know what? Seek him. Seek him. And you will find. That's what Jesus said later on in the same book. Sorry, in Luke 11, sorry. Seek and you will find. Ask and you shall receive. We believe in the presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it's not something that we labor on and we, we, we over-exalt above the word. But yeah, we realize that at the same time, there's ways in which that balance needs to be addressed. And we need to be encouraged to see the ministry of the Holy Spirit among us. Whether that's empowering us in praise, whether that's praying for one another, whether that's coming with a word of prophecy, exhorting one another from the word, encouraging one another in specific situations. Speaking on the phone with Jehazel last night, he said, bruv, you know, the word you shared last week was prophetic. Started to tell me about all sorts of stuff that was happening in the week. God is working by his spirit among us. God has always been working by his spirit among us. But some of us were hard-hearted.
stand. Let us reason with God. Let us respond to God.